0: hey the balloon drop love that hey in the immortal words of judy brown happiness is a choice and we're happier spending some time with us us being chip brown and zay the right call call your zay what up dog what's up man how you how's living your, how's your friday energy
1: oh it's good that's good it's good. live
0: it's good. Oh, I'm yeah. uh I'm rocking the Olipop. I'm going with the classic root beer today.
1: Yeah, you're really supporting the the sponsors, man. The brain vault hat I see there, the olipop, man. You're out here. You're it's out here I was, so born. I
0: was born to represent great causes, you know. There we go. And so the great cause that we are championing right now, of course, is Chip and Zay so zay i just want to start things off and what up cb appreciate you appreciate you the greatest greatest volunteer producer in the history of radio by the way this uh also got
1: the brain vault vault. he okay oh yeah yeah you're really out here man look at you Oh,
0: oh yeah yeah um i'm rocking it all but this is uh So Texas is going to play at, and I don't even know, like Houston Stadium is called TDECU Stadium. Like, I don't even know what that is. Like, can we get a stadium with someone's name on it? Like Royal Memorial something?
1: Yeah. Case Keenum Stadium. That's what we need to name it after.
0: Case Keenum Stadium. (laughs) your favorite Coug? Is he your favorite Coug?
1: um sure yeah well the list is very short like (laughs) so yes i'm gonna say case keenum that dude was putting up numbers back in the day which i guess that's not too far back in the day it was like oh nine but yeah the case keenum stadium absolutely
0: andre ware oh yeah he was a legend I feel I, I apologized to him at Big Twelve Media Day. This is what it's like to be a Lions fan. So he got drafted by the Lions like third overall. And the Lions were a disaster. So Andre Ware went down with that ship. Brutal. Because it matters where you get drafted. It does. Um, but Texas is playing at T D E C U stadium which was built in 2014. They're playing in Houston for the first time since 2001. And there's a reason they have not played since then. And that is because Texas did a two for one series where Houston played at Texas in 2000 and 2002 and Texas played at Houston in 2001. Well, as part of this 2 for 1 agreement, Houston agreed to give 10 a 10,000 seat ticket allotment to Texas. To pull this off, they erected 4150 bleacher seats that were 60 feet in the air because they had to go up above the North end zone seating of Robert then Robertson stadium. Well, the Tuesday before the game, they, the president of Houston deemed the bleachers unsafe. Two days, no Tuesday. So five days before the game.
1: Five days before the, okay.
0: Five days before the game, the bleachers were deemed unsafe. And so 4,150 Texas fans got hosed out of going to the game. And DeLos Dodds, the athletic director at the time, was so mad. He vowed never to play Houston again. And depending on who you ask, it was in every sport, but definitely football. And they've not played. They have not played Houston since all the games that Texas has played in the city of Houston have been against rice and it's been at Reliant slash NRG stadium. And so only because of big 12 scheduling is Texas going back on that Houston campus for the first time since Bleacher gate in 2001. And like, we talk a lot about how Texas and AM haven't played since 2011, you know, because of that was the last year AM was in the Big 12 before they went to the SEC. But Bleacher Gate caused an icy rift between Texas and Houston that went 20 plus years, Zay. Mm. And I don't think,
1: like, did you even know about that? No, I had no clue that was a thing until I saw uh, your page at Orange Twenty Four Seven today, which was a great one, by the way. But yeah, I've never heard of it before, and it sounds petty, so it's definitely right up my alley.
0: Oh yeah, I, I figured it. you would love it.
1: <laughs> I do love it. Cause... I do love it. Even though I love the city of Houston, I mean, here's another name for the stadium: Frenchie's Chicken Stadium. That's how good that place is.
0: Frenchie's like, Chicken.
1: Frenchie's Chicken. Yo, yeah, be I careful. Gotta write now. That down. Yeah, be, be careful now, because uh, usually Frenchies are in the hood, you know, but so is U of H. Like that's in third ward. So come on, it ain't yeah, it ain't nothing. It's probably gentrified anyway. Yeah, Frenchie's chicken. That's the spot. Some of the best chicken you ever gonna have. I wish we had some down here.
0: That's like Roscoe's in LA.
1: Nah, well, yeah, but Roscoe's they got the chicken and waffles. Frenchie's is more like a Popeye's joint. But for Houston, okay, okay, and, uh, <laughs> right. Chris Bennett, DJ Screw Stadium, yeah, there you go, something like that. Like anything's better than what they're doing. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. We get we're getting all kinds of uh, all kinds of recommendations for Houston stadium name. Uh, yeah. Oh man. Well, so. Delos Dodds was pissed. Delos Dodds, though, retired in 2013. And this is still continued to where any games in the, you know, because Texas likes playing in Houston. They got a lot of fans down there. And now that they've got NRG, they, they just call up Rice and are like, hey, you good? they don't call houston so this this is really only a thing and probably for texas fans 35 or older and that's 35s on the young end because they would have you know those fans would have been what like two three right yeah
1: i mean 10
0: maybe 10 okay
1: but Oh, oh, two, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that game kind of, the Mike Huff interception, pick six. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, so that was it. That was it. That was the last time these two teams played, and only because of Big 12 scheduling are they playing again in Houston, and I don't think they'll be playing again anytime soon. But for Cougs fans – they might remember it a little bit more because that was crazy and like there were lawsuits against the scaffolding company that built the bleachers <laughs> it, i mean it was it was a mess but there's there's a little history lesson to start the show today um because we're gonna have lance taylor on at 1 30 normally He comes on on Thursday. He couldn't do it. He had meetings and stuff. So we are, uh, we're catching up with LT today. And Zay, what uh, the SMU Mustangs play tonight at, I think, six o'clock. They're playing Temple. And this is the, this is where Stan Drayton is now really that's right that's right the, that is former oh, yeah. Texas running backs coach and so I want to see how my man Stan Drayton is doing yeah six o'clock on ESPN tonight SMU at Temple uh SMU favored by 22 and a half good luck Stan yeah Stan
2: <laughs> good luck.
0: Like if he, so he's been there. Stan's been there a couple of years now, and remember, Arthur Johnson is the athletic director there. Arthur was the long time, like deputy assistant at Texas, and Arthur was uh, like director of operations, athletic director, senior athletic director, charge of operations. Mm-hmm. Um, At Texas, Arthur went through a lot of stuff um, because he was he was kind of the liaison between Charlie Strong and Steve Patterson. So he was he was just hearing Charlie rip and say, can we get some support? Because Patterson was a nightmare. Like he cut the coach's ticket allotment. He was nickel and diamond trying to save money everywhere. It was pitiful but i gotta see how how arthur and uh and stan are doing i i shot arthur a text we'll see if he uh if he responds but smu by 22 and a half man
1: Yeah, Temple two and five right now. So, Coach Drayton, they're struggling. But, hey, that's what you got to expect for your first head coaching job. I mean, this is what he wanted to do. And you got to start from the ground up. Everybody starts from the ground up. You know, it's very hard to just get thrown into a big time blue blood situation. So, Sam Drayton's trying to pay his dues at Temple. And he's finding out it's hard to win in that part of Philadelphia, man. Like, Temple's just a tough school in any type of sport, and basketball, they used to do some things with Cheney, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, Matt Rule, he had his good time at Temple, his good tenure there, and before he went off to... Baylor and such. So it's possible. It's possible to succeed. And, you know, that East Coast area, if you could recruit in Ohio and some of those states that are really known for football and stuff and bring some guys in that, you know, maybe are forgot about or, you know, sometimes you got to take them thugs, Chip. Sometimes you got to say, hey, man, I know that you got into about 12 fights in one year. Okay. We got, we got, we have somebody that you could talk to to help with that anger, and we could apply that in a positive way. And you could be a very good, strong safety for us because you got some talent, and we'll figure it out. Hey, uh, uh, Ryan Day might have given up on you. I won't you got to take those chances on some of those guys to get where you want to be I'm not saying you turn the other turn the other way when you know something crazy happens or if the dude needs to be disciplined that's not what I'm saying at all but certain people deserve second chances and temple's the kind of school where you got to take some of them second chance type kids because hey that's how you get over the mountaintop and again Coach Drayton he's struggling right now but yeah he did some good things at Texas and I hope he succeeds wherever he goes next or whatever happens at Temple
0: well one of the uh one of the former Texas assistant coaches under uh Steve Sarkeesian, Brennan Marion he's the offensive coordinator now at unlv and unlv's got it going hmm huh. UNLV is five and one, and they are uh, they're playing Colorado State this week, and Brendan Marion, he was the receivers coach here, yeah, last season. Um, UNLV favored by seven and a half, and you know Brendan Marion's an interesting story because. He, uh, you know, he had this kind of go-go offense, kind of unconventional, a lot of two-back stuff. Sometimes, like, both backs lined up to the left of the quarterback to create, you know, overloads and matchups. And he got hired by Barry Odom to be the offensive coordinator at UNLV. And they got it going. I mean, they they played Michigan, you know, they only, oh, the they, 30, yeah, they only
1: lost 35
0: thirty-five. yeah, they only lost thirty five
1: to seven lost by thirty five to seven.
0: They only lost by, by twenty eight. they uh unlv beat Vanderbilt beat an SEC school um yeah. they beat UTEP. they beat Hawaii. they beat Nevada. but um Marion, come on, man.
1: yeah, yeah. He's getting oh, it going. Man. Yeah, we got SD on our Texas Sports Unfiltered comment section said, UNLV has played Central Texas high school teams. (laughs) No love. Vanderbilt, that's a solid win. You just said an SEC team. I'll give them that. That's a solid win. When you're considered a G5 program, even though UNLV is probably the highest of G5s that you could get, Beating the SEC team, that's pretty big, Tom. You got to tip your cat to that. So, yeah, Brendan Marion, you know, hey, hope he's doing well, too. So Israel's saying,
0: why, why not uh, more go-go offense? Because Sarkeesian's got his deal. Sarkeesian's got his deal. He might incorporate a wrinkle
1: yeah.
0: here and there. And teams have. Like, Brendan Marion was at William and Mary, and – you know, he's some, some people have stolen from it. Cliff Kingsbury, Lincoln Riley have taken some little things from the go-go offense, but yeah, we didn't see much of it at, at Texas. And, you know, CB said the wide receivers regressed, uh, under Marion and there's no doubt that Steve Sarkeesian was looking to, uh, to upgrade at, uh, at the receiver coaching position, he told people privately, we need to, we need a professional, we need a guy who can appeal to, you know, he wants to recruit the highest end receivers he can find. And he wanted a guy who came in with NFL experience who could say, Hey, this is what it takes in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So it was a win-win. Brendan Marion moves on to, to UNLV. He's got that offense going under Barry Odom and and Chris Jackson has come in and, you know, done a nice job with the, with the receivers at Texas. He seems to be an okay recruiter. That was always, you know, for a guy who's never really been in the college game, he's, you know, we should ask uh, Hank about that on Tuesday. But he's, you know, he's doing well in the recruiting game too. So we shall see.
1: Yeah. If you're Chris Jackson and you're going in these homes trying to recruit these blue chip rod receivers and stuff, you got to use your track record as a positive, as a pro, you know, hey, I coach in the NFL. You remind me of Christian Kurt. I coached that guy he's really good he was a pro bowler the season that i had on his first year coming to jacksonville where everybody was bitching about all the money that he got which is still a lot of money and i don't know if he deserves that much but you saw him last night he took that one pass across the middle to the house to make it 31 24 and the former aggie told uh people that that was the fastest he ever ran since college so yeah that's just in itself our experience examples to why you should come and play for Chris Jackson and Steve Sarkeesian and be under this offense. And, you know, a guy that, they really going to have to flip right now. seems like it's going to be Ryan Wingo. He's going to make that decision October 25th. The St. Louis native. We know it's basically between Texas and Missouri. And Missouri, they got some good things going with a pretty confident uh, Burton, uh, Luther Burton or Jerry Burton, whatever his name is, the wide receiver at Missouri. That's really good. That dude, I saw him in an interview uh, the other day. And that, somebody, they asked him, Ship, hey, Burton, so how do you feel – who do you look at, you know, in the NFL that you model your game after? And he was like, nobody really. People should be looking at me and modeling their game after me. And I'm like, damn, bro. All right. That's how you feel, then show me something. Hey, cuz. College is one thing. When you get to the NFL, can you still talk the talk and walk the walk? We will see, but yeah, man, like Chris Jackson, I think he's done a solid job since he's been here so far, and those wide receivers, Adonai Mitchell, Xavier Wordy, Jordan Whittenden, each one of them have had their own big game, and hopefully, Jontae Cook, maybe in this game, we could see him more in the mix, because you've been talking about it for a few weeks now. The freshman needs reps, and the fact that he's already developing so well, you got to give that to Chris Jackson and his coaching staff. If that's a freshman coming in and if they trust them enough, then that should be very appealing to other big time wide receivers once they come in, because they know they might get a chance to play due to, to the development and the trust that Sark has with these guys.
0: Yeah, this should be uh this is going to be an interesting game um, because we got a couple offensive linemen, Jake Majors and Cole Hudson, who are trying to gut it out and, you know, Jake Majors, high ankle sprain, kind of a minor miracle that he's being talked about in, you know, possibly starting this game tomorrow, he'll, he'll probably be a, you know, a game time decision, or even if he does start, they'll have to see how he holds up in game. Um, and then you know Cole Hudson, I think there was a, a sense that he would be ready to go for this game, but he might not be. And that's a little bit concerning because he had that you know partial ligament tear. Um and he's that dude can't seem to catch a break. Played with a partially torn labrum all of last year in his shoulder. Now he's you know playing through this this knee sprain, um, it could end up being a Connor Robertson game. I think, you know, they'll, they'll have to kind of weigh it all out at, at game time, but, um, Texas trying to get healthy and it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with JT Sanders, what they do with Ryan Watts, what they do with Jalen Catalan, um, do they get, you know, do they sit those guys and give them another week of rest or, you know, do they, do they play them? Cause it's some nagging injuries, Zay and you're 22 and a half point favorite. So you should be able to handle business, but um, you know, Jake majors wants to play Cole Hudson wants to play. They're going to be tough guys. Sometimes you have to protect them from themselves Kind of saw that with JT Sanders in the OU game.
1: Yeah, and Sart didn't do that in that game, and he talked about it uh, in the uh, Zoom. Presser, he talked about, like, hey, I got to put, you know, make sure I have these guys' best interest not only for our team but for themselves, and he didn't do either one of those things with J.T. Sanders uh, a couple of Saturdays ago. So hopefully he could see that and say, hey, if this guy's hurting the team, especially against you of age, like you're right, Chip, with the spread the way it is, this team, it shouldn't be an issue. But there are things that Houston does well to where you're – kind of hurting with Jalen Catalan and Ryan Watts like those wide receivers very underrated especially with the confidence that Donovan Smith is playing with right now you know he has second and I want to say touchdowns in the Big 12 and first and completion so they try to dink and dunk their way down the field and it's Malik Muhammad Terrence Brooks Gavin Holmes are those guys up to the challenge because again Ryan Watts being out Jalen Catalan Derek Williams you going to get more reps, even though the freshman has been solid and has definitely overachieved, especially for a guy coming in during the summer and not an early enrollment in period, what is he going to be able to bring to the table also? And then, you know, Michael Taft and Jaron Thompson. I'm looking for a redemption game for Jaron Thompson. You, you know, just too many mistakes. He's been here too long to have the mistakes that he made in that OU game. And he started the season off hot, like the interception against Alabama, big time. The pick six against Wyoming, big time. But ever since then, Jaron Thompson's just made a lot of mistakes, in my opinion. And so his leadership, he needs to come with it. And Sark talked about in the press conference this week, this team forcing turnovers. We just haven't seen it at the rate we want to. When you're 51st, in the nation at first, uh, forcing turnovers, and then your rival Oklahoma is number one. That don't look good, and they got three on you in the Red River shootout, so that definitely doesn't look good. Like this defense, the edge rushers, they've kind of taken a step back, you know, in the few weeks. Baron Sorrell, I want to see more of him, I want to see more of Ethan Burke, you know, and that's saying a lot for a team that's five and one, but that's the standard here. That's just what it is. That's the standard. You want to win a Big 12 championship, then you got to do a lot more than you're doing. And if guys are going to be a little banged up right now, then that just means it's more opportunities for guys that haven't got as many reps so far this season. So I'm looking forward to that, but they can't take Houston lightly. Because Houston, with a chip on their shoulder, coming in, they're riding that high from the Hail Mary against the Mountaineers. Those guys are gonna come in and play their ass off. Because hell, you talked about you know Seat Gate or Bleacher Gate. This probably be the last time they play Houston in our lifetime. So they want to make it count. They'll probably be a little salty that it'll probably be half burnt orange in the stands and half that red just because Texas fans are going to show out since it's a sold-out venue. And, yeah, you just can't take the Cougars lightly. They're going to fight hard and play hard. And Donovan Smith, he ain't no punk.
0: Ground and pound, baby. Ground and pound. That Just tried out the Kansas game plan and uh, pound them. 50 plus carries 300 something yards rushing
3: Mm.
0: almost 40 minutes of time of possession that's what i'm going with zay that's what i'm that's what i'm going with this week jonathan brooks just getting work done at TDECU or whatever the hell uh you know
1: stadium (laughs) we're
0: calling it we got all kinds of recommendations here Hearts Chicken Stadium.
1: Yo, I'm, I've never been to Hearts Chicken. Never. I, don't, I feel like I'm sleeping because I always see it. I know they got the buffet. Like when I go to Houston and stuff to see the fam, I always see them randomly. But, yeah, never had it. But, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Art Briles Stadium, someone said.
1: <laughs> I don't think that's happening. <laughs>
0: oh. Well, then throw Kevin Sumlin in there yeah Sumlin was the head coach at u h so was major Applewhite. How about major Applewhite stadium?
1: Oh major blew that chance. come on, major Well, they
0: screwed him,
1: yeah, I guess so what he went eight and four seven and five fired I ain't good enough I ain't good enough, I guess I don't know, but major got luggage though major got a lot of luggage. <laughs> Major got a lot of luggage. Well, boy. he hired
0: he hired Kendall Briles to be his offensive coordinator, and then Kendall Briles got offered the OC job at Florida State under Willie Taggart. Damn, and they paid him 1.3 million. And there were people at Houston who wanted to fire Major and hire Kendall Briles to be the head coach, and it was like. Have y'all lost your mind? Like, I mean, Art was at Houston. There are people at Houston who still like Art. If Art would have just said, oh, my God, I'm mortified at what happened at Baylor. I have a daughter. This never should have happened. I'm going to spend the rest of my life making sure that this kind of thing never happens again. He would have gotten hired in a heartbeat. But he never did that. He's never you know, falling on his sword for what happened at Baylor. So no one's touching him,
1: yeah, but Houston, block, Houston we'll totally screwed
0: business. major.
1: Mm, yeah. But I'm still saying major got luggage, man. That's the taking Ricky Williams, girlfriend thing. And, you know, people in the faculty, he'd be messing with them and stuff is like major, you know, you got, you got to win. You gotta win. You just got too much luggage to keep you around on something that's just average. I get it; it's U of H, but yeah, man, it'd be different if Major just—you gotta worry about what he's doing off the field. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying with Major. You that gotta is, worry about what he's doing off the field, also. That's the
0: most play. Perse Hilton. That,
1: that's real. What do you mean, Perse Hilton? I'm not Listen. making stuff up here. These aren't rumors, Ricky. Ricky.
0: Ricky had his pick of yes. women when he was at Texas. Even while he was dating Julie,
1: the dude still talks about the woman. He still talks about it, and like people, people ask him in interviews and stuff. It still comes up. Twenty-five something years later, it still comes up. Talking about my man ain't hurt. Man loved the girl. Talk about he had women. Well, had women and stuff. You know that. That one, there's always that one, Ship, that got away. Always that one where you wonder, man, I wonder what she's doing right now. I ain't going to text her, but I wonder what she's doing right now. And that was Ricky's at C-Mike. And you're you the quarterback. Are, you you're the quarterback.
0: So, you're so wrong. You're, you're
1: the quarterback at Texas. You have any pick. How about that? You're the quarterback at the University of Texas. You could just walk down the drag and – Oh look, little sorority girl from Sigma Migma, whatever it's called. All right, I'm gonna Take save you out.
0: from Come yourself on. here. And by the way, major got totally screwed because he went seven and five, and then eight and five, and got fired. He was going up in wins. Let's bring in our man Lance Taylor, the baggage. our our SEC insider and prognosticator, Lance'sLock.com.
2: Lt, how you doing? I'm good. Um, I've got to get a little context. I think we're talking Major Applewhite, but uh, pick me up on the conversation if you can. Oh yeah, that was, uh, I would say in Texas
0: playing Houston, Major was the head coach at Houston. He went seven and five and then eight and five and got fired. And they went and brought in Dana and, you know, Major had hired Kendall Bryles as his offensive coordinator. And then Willie Taggart offered Kendall Bryles $1.3 million to be his OC. Kendall took it. There were some at Houston who wanted to fire Major on the spot and keep Kendall Bryles as the head coach because they loved Art Bryles when he was the head coach at Houston. It's kind of an incestuous mess, but Major
2: got screwed is what I'm you saying. Know, I, I- I had the opportunity to meet Major one time randomly. I was in Norman, Oklahoma for football weekend. And Major was up there because he had some friends. And uh, got to hang out with Major a little bit. Good dude. He came on the show for a little bit. This is 15 years ago. Um, I don't know. It seems like, you know, he was Nick's. A lot of people don't remember this. I know you'll remember this, Chip. He was Nick Saban's first offensive coordinator in Tuscaloosa and that was one that alabama fans will still bring up they're like bill o'brien sucked but not as bad as major applewhite but major applewhite didn't, didn't have he didn't have a lot to work with back then you know that's I what i remember yeah different chess pieces now uh for these alabama teams but major was always a good dude i know there was uh he, there's always been like a weird controversial cloud with him even from his playing days should it be chris sims or major applewhite uh you know, Nick Saban to a little scandalous there at Texas, you know, when he was a coach and uh good dude, but uh, never had the career that I thought he would have in the coaching ranks. Yeah.
0: Now he's at South Alabama. Yeah. As With Kane Womack, there. who's
2: good dude, man. I'll tell you, there's two guys in our state right now, outside of the two obvious in uh, Nick Saban and Hugh Freeze, but John Sumrall at Troy and Kane Womack at South Alabama. These will be names if you're just a – Casual college football fan. They will be power five guys in the next couple of years. Young, aggressive, uh, just good faces for the program, and uh, they've got really good programs right now in the Sun Belt. I
0: wonder if I wonder if if Womack moves on. If Major would get South
2: Alabama. Yeah, well, let me ask you. That, well, I, I want to take this back. South Alabama's good game or good job. I was going to say, and you're going to have to. Uh, this traffic is awful. Already, already people going to Auburn. Auburn's this way, Tuscaloosa's that way. Um, And so people get ready for Auburn, Ole Miss, and Alabama, Tennessee. So it's a big weekend in town, obviously. Um, But I was going to say, if, if Kane Womack took another job, if he tried to bring major with him, is it better to be the offensive coordinator at Michigan State or the head coach at South Alabama? Just throwing jobs out there. Yeah, I don't yeah. necessarily know the answer. Yeah, it's going to be a bigger payday
0: at Michigan State, that's for sure. So, all right, Lance, let's get into it, my man. Um, I mean, Lance'sLock.com, of course, for the picks. Everybody's talking about Penn State, Ohio State. This is the, the you know the top, you know top clash of the weekend. Ohio State's favored by five and a half. James Franklin is three and 15 in regular season games against top 10
2: teams. He sure is. This one. Uh, You know, on the other side, Ryan Day is 10 and six against top 10 teams. And I understand Ohio State's typically got the better personnel. Uh, It's amazing how many people think Penn State is the better team. We really don't know. I mean, the barometer games would be Ohio State going to Notre Dame and beating the Irish on a final play. And for Penn State, beating uh, that Iowa defense 31-0, I guess it's no surprise they were able to shut out that offense. But being able to go almost 400 yards and having these extended uh, 13, 14, 15-play drives against that Iowa defense, really impressive. I think Penn State's really good. I don't think they're as good as Ohio State. I think what makes Ohio State a little – against what we're used to seeing with Ohio State is you don't have an elite quarterback. I don't think Kyle McCord's bad at all. I just think it's kind of the situation Alabama's gotten in. Like, you go from quarterbacks like Tua, um, Mac Jones, Bryce Young, to a guy like Jalen Milroe, who's not a bad quarterback. Um, he's just not an elite quarterback. And I think you've gotten that from Justin Fields to C.J. Stroud and what you've got right now in Kyle McCord. I- I'll tell you a thing to watch for, and this is – and I don't know if you guys believe in jinxes. You probably do. Uh, But me being a gambling guy and being involved in sports all my life, I just really believe in superstitions and jinxes. And I guarantee you they're going to roll out that number. Drew Aller in his Penn State career, although limited, 241 pass attempts, never thrown an interception, and immediately he's going to throw a pick. And I think whoever makes the most mistakes on that stage and the good thing for Kyle McCord is he's gotten much better wide receivers and he's got that home crowd behind him. I think that's going to be the difference in this game. And I trust Ryan Day more than I trust James Franklin. So typically don't play 11 o'clock games. Probably going to play this one. I like Ohio State minus, minus five and a half. And you guys tell me, when can you ever get Ohio State under a touchdown at home? Yeah.
1: Yeah, James Franklin, not the best in big games. We found out out this week when we looked at that track record. But Lance, Crimson Tide, they just keep squeaking out these games, man, just getting these wins and putting them up on the board to be on top of the SEC West. And, again, they did that with Arkansas, who did a good job coming back, but Alabama ended up taking it. What do you think they're going to do in this game against Tennessee, who got themselves a pretty close win against the Aggies last week?
2: Well, so Alabama fans will disagree with this, but I thought it got so boring watching Alabama up 7 nothing, 25 seconds into a game, watching Alabama up 21 nothing at the end of the first quarter, and the reality is Alabama, in seven games this year, has trailed in five of those games. And they have trailed for 111 minutes of game time this year, and they only trailed for 116 total minutes all of last year. This is a team they had beaten 15 consecutive times going into Knoxville last year. They made so many mistakes. Hendon Hooker to Jalen Hyatt. Alabama fans continue to see that. Five touchdowns on that connection last year. Uh, Jameer Gibbs dropped a wide open, probably 30, 40-yard gain that would have ultimately won the game for Alabama. Will Reichard, the last time he has missed a kick, 26 consecutive made field goals now, was against Tennessee in that one-point loss. And... It, it's, I'll give credit to Josh Heipel. They are winning football games a different way because I read this this week, and this is pretty amazing. Heupel in his six years as a head coach at both Central Florida and Tennessee. Last week in the to 2013 win over Texas A&M, that was the first time he has ever had a win as a coach where his team scored less than 30 points. So my point there is this is a team that leads the SEC in running the football. They get after the quarterback. They're seventh in the FBS with 24 sacks. On the flip side, Alabama has given up four-plus sacks in all six games this year. Uh, this is a fascinating game to me. I think Alabama is the better team. I think they can get frustrated with Tennessee. Tennessee will be able to get to the quarterback. If Milrow makes mistakes, which he's played clean football the last three games, one pick over the last three games, Alabama fans would sign up for that any day of the week. Um if he doesn't make mistakes, I think Alabama's going to be fine. Alabama needs to get off to a quick start, get the crowd behind them. Uh, I, I I like Alabama to win the game. We'll see if they cover or not.
0: Yeah, yeah. Tennessee, uh, Josh Heupel getting getting after it. Um, all right. So, Lance, you look at the uh, you look at the other big games this weekend. They're in the ACC, it seems. Um, and. You know what? uh, What do you make of Clemson at Miami? Before I ask you about
2: Duke and Florida State, so I two teams I'm really disappointed in this year based on talent, based on what their head coaches are making, based on what their head coaches were saying. uh, Miami and Texas A&M, and both of those teams are already done for the year and what they wanted to accomplish early in the season, and that was getting to a college football playoff. I don't really know how to read this Miami team. When Tyler Van Dyke is upright and in a clean pocket, he's a really good quarterback. When he gets pressure, he's a very average quarterback. Uh, Clemson, they just seem like they've fallen a little bit. I think it's going to be a really physical game. I think it's two good teams, not great teams. Uh, obviously, you don't win this game. It's going to be difficult to get to double digits. I lean Miami in this one. I think Dabo's the better coach. Um but I'm going to go the Canes in this one. I think it's a low-scoring, tough, tough back-and-forth game, but I will take the Miami Hurricanes. And then what about Duke and Florida State? So I was asked earlier this week, worst loss in college football this year, and somebody brought up LSU losing to Ole Miss because if LSU didn't lose that game, there's only one out-of-conference loss, and they still every, everything in front of them. I brought up Duke, and here's why I say this. Duke was up uh, on Notre Dame by two. And Notre Dame and Sam Hartwell were facing a 4th and 16 with no timeouts left. And Mike Elko, I think he's an incredible coach. I think he's one of the best defensive minds in college football right now. They gave up a 16-yard scamper on 4th and 15 to extend that. And not only does Notre Dame go on and score and win the game, but on the final play of the game, Riley Leonard gets the high ankle sprain. So if you just hold them on 4th and 15, not only are you undefeated, you've got a healthy Riley Leonard. And this game is massive in Tallahassee. And I would think instead of it being a 14 and a half point number, I think the number is more like seven and a half to eight. And I think we're giving Duke a realistic chance to win this game. I know Riley Leonard is a game time decision. I fully expect Florida State to be, or excuse me, Duke to be ready for this game. Uh, Florida State seems like one of these teams are going to find a way to lose a game down the stretch. This number scares me though. 14 and a half is a massive number and it kind of shows me uh, bookmakers like this Florida State team. So I think Florida State wins the game. I'd love to see Duke be able to pull it out. But I do go back to that one play, and I think that is the biggest, biggest play in the college football season up to this point.
1: Yeah, that one play could cost your whole year, as you know, Lance. But you got to keep on playing. Next man up, that's what they say. Uh, Let's go to the Pac-12. I mean, did you expect – Caleb Williams, the Heisman, to throw three interceptions in the first half. And for that team, we know Alex Durant's defensive coordinator has his struggles with that defense for Southern Cal. But I didn't expect Notre Dame to win that game like that. What did you think of that in USC? Yeah, before?
2: I'm right there with you. I told you guys last week I thought it was a really good spot. Notre Dame looked exhausted. Um, I, I felt like Caleb was going to play well. This is why they play the games, though. And we've got more and more parity in college football. But to turn the football over five times, to give up a 99-yard kick return. And on the other side, Grinch's defense, although, and I thought we brought this up last week, they were top five in force fumbles, top five in tackles yeah. for loss, and top five in sacks. Didn't have a sack, one tackle for loss, zero forced fumbles. They gave up less than 300 yards. It was short fields. Notre Dame began to drive on the two. They began began to drive on the 12. They began to drive on the 50. They had 28 points off of those five turnovers plus the kick return. You can't win on the road at Notre Dame with those kind of numbers. I have never seen Caleb Williams obviously look that bad. I've never seen a Lincoln Riley look that out of sync. The offensive line is not good, and now they're playing a really, really good defense. But Utah is going to have a problem scoring the football. You know, they're down to a third string running back. They're down to a third string tied in. Um, You've got a backup quarterback. I don't think we're going to see Cam rising again this year, unfortunately. Um, I was told he will not play in this game tomorrow night in the Coliseum. Um, I've got a feeling USC, this is where Lincoln Riley gets paid his money. The offensive line cannot hold up against Utah. So how do you offset that? I think it's going to be a lot of quick hits, a lot of athletes in space for USC. I think USC wins this game.
0: All right, Lance. South Carolina at Missouri Mizzou trying to like show people they're the second best team in the SEC SEC East. How do you see this one playing out?
2: Well, best player on the field will be Luther Burden the third, and he's a guy that's only a true sophomore incredible wide receiver, can return kicks, does it all for Eli Drinkwitz. Eli Drinkwitz and this Missouri team, they've overachieved. You know They've been in one game where they they felt they should have won it against LSU, but other one-possession games, they've really taken care of business. I think this has come down to a one-possession. I'm getting seven and a half. I think Spencer Rattler will actually play well on the road. One of the biggest stories in the SEC has been the unknowns at quarterback, like what you're seeing with Brady Cook and like what you're seeing with Graham Mertz at Florida. Uh, But I like Missouri to win the game, but South Carolina to cover the seven and a half. Lance, are the
1: Washington Huskies a uh, CFP team? With that win against Oregon, you just talked about SC not looking as good. It seems like they could go on and win the Pac-12. Obviously, they have a very tough schedule like a lot of other teams in the Pac-12 because everybody's so talented. But the Huskies, that's a big-time win, even though Dan Landing had some really bad
2: <laughs> decision-making yeah. plays
1: in that game.
2: Yeah, Huge win for Washington. I love Caleb DeWar. Obviously, Michael Penix is your your Heisman uh, favorite right now. They've still got a lot to work out. You know, if Cam Rising comes back, that is a, a really difficult possible game for them. Um, you've still got, although Washington State is kind of going in the wrong direction, the Apple Cup, still going to be a tough game. And you've got USC on that schedule. I think USC is going to end up losing another game or two, but I think they will split with Washington and Oregon. But I think Washington is legitimate. They will have no issues this week.
0: All right. Are you paying any attention to the Big 12? And, like, who is the third best team in that league?
2: Well, I still think it's Kansas State. And we're going to see multiple quarterbacks for Chris Kleiman. This is a game they cannot lose against TCU. Um, Everybody's saying Oklahoma Texas that it's inevitable we're going to see that matchup. But who is the third best team in your opinion?
0: Yeah, I mean I I would say K state. And now they've got this Avery Johnson, not that Avery I, Johnson, but I I think he's uh,
2: faster than that Avery Johnson. Dude can fly.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um Yeah, and you look at uh you know Rocco Brecht. Rocco I mean he, he I d I'd I don't think Iowa State is catching fire. It might be like two wet sticks rubbing together, but
2: I mean. That's a tough team to watch. Um, but Iowa State, you know, they're not as bad as we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season. The Iowa loss doesn't look as bad, uh, but West, tough team to watch. And I'm really surprised at Texas Tech. I know they've had injuries, especially at the quarterback position, but um, I just didn't didn't expect that Texas Tech would be in the situation they're in right now. All right, so what games do you like, Lance? Anything? I will give you one, and you can play it at mybookie.ag. I told you I want to give a shameless plug to one of our big sponsors, mybookie.ag. Put in the promo code next round. You're going to get a uh, cash-out bonus there at mybookie.ag. I like the Auburn Tigers. You know, so Auburn has won eight of the last nine Against Ole Miss in Jordan Hare, and the only time they lost was when Hugh Freeze was on the other sideline in 2015 for Ole Miss. Auburn's coming off a bye; they haven't played well. The offense struggled. I just gotta—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a Indian burial ground, is what Alabama fans say, because crazy things happen at Jordan Hare, and it could be the most difficult atmosphere in all of college football. The fans will be ramped up. Six o'clock kick. Auburn's getting six and a half. I think they win the game outright and hand Ole Miss their second loss.
1: Ooh, boom. Oh. Okay. Oh. Hey, All right. NFL for me, Lance, with 49ers losing, Eagles losing. Crazy. What does that mean for the Detroit Lions? Are they as they good lose as this the
2: week? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, Chip, I hate to say this, but my favorite game this weekend is Baltimore. You know, Baltimore is a really good team. And Detroit's got a lot of momentum. And look, it's 17-game regular season. And Detroit's going to be just fine. They're going to win the North. But you're not going to win every game. And this is a really, really difficult atmosphere with a former MVP quarterback that really hasn't gotten this Todd Monk in offense. But I think they start to figure it out more and more as they move forward. And I like Baltimore minus three here. Yeah.
0: Killing me, Smalls. <laughs> um, Lance, appreciate you, dog lanceslock.com for the picks
2: yeah jump on board we got uh two plays up tonight major league baseball we are uh, i think we've got 13 plays for tomorrow college football jump on board lanceslock.com you said rangers phillies you said that like 10 days ago you still feeling that uh not really i hate the astros uh i mean the astros their ability to win in arlington and the way they offensively can swing it in arlington has been amazing so i think whoever gets tonight will will win this series and i've got the winner up right now at lanceslock.com
0: all right get to lanceslock.com all right buddy we'll talk to you next week
2: thanks guys see y'all thanks all guys. right thanks taylor
0: mind. breaking it down likes uh south carolina to cover against mizzou and he likes auburn against Ole Miss.
1: Yeah. What
0: do you think about that, Zay?
1: Um we'll see. We'll see. You know, South Carolina, Spencer Rattler is still playing well. Shane Beamer, if he could stop kicking Gatorade uh jugs and stuff, be wearing a boot on the sideline, just absolutely bogus his ass. If he stopped doing all that stuff, then yeah, maybe this team could lock in and Beat Mizzou, but yeah, Luther Burton, that dude, he's a star, he's an absolute star. Cocky one, but he's a star for those Missouri Tigers, so that'll be tough. But hey, Lance, he knows, man. Luther Burton, cockier than Shadur Sanders? No, no, not cockier than Shadur Sanders. He's not holding up the fifty thousand dollar iced out watch to other players and stuff and riding around in the Rolls royce And no he is not that cocky that it's it's tough to beat Shadur sanders you know he is his father's son that's for sure <laughs>
0: but yeah yeah well let me let me tell you a little bit about my adventure today over at uh, um, dr greg eckert's office it's also where they're doing fittings for the brain vault mouth guard and I went and got fitted for a brain vault mouth guard. And once you learn the importance of how they make this brain vault mouth guard to make sure that when you clench your teeth and you suffer any kind of, you know, head injury or injury where your brain could possibly move, um, and the importance of that mouth guard and the ability to clench down and keep your brain from moving you understand why this technology is so important and it's amazing because you're you're getting not only football players cheerleaders who you know are constantly flying through the air and suffering injuries during practice you see the finished result at the football game um, when cheerleaders are you know Standing on the shoulders of a guy and then, you know, coming down. Uh, But it's soccer. So here's my message to, you know, parents, team moms, coaches. Look, if you have kids who are active in sports where there is a a possibility for concussion, then you need to get over to brainvault.com and set up a group fitting. Get your teams taken care of because if it's good enough for Bijan Robinson, then it's good enough for your kids, especially when their brains are still forming. So just get to brainvault.com vault.com and uh, and and set up a group fitting. They're now capable of coming to you, going to your high school, going to your practice. So um, do the right thing for your kids and make sure that they're protected. And get to BrainVault.com. And, of course, Dr. Greg Eckert, Austin's dentist, for your dental cleanings or for more sophisticated dentistry. Uh, you can go to Dr. Eckert, Dr. U-E-C-K-E-R-T.com uh, to set up an appointment. So BrainVault.com, no, fascinating stuff. The technology, the um you know, you're just trying to do everything you can to protect your kid. And they have upper and lower mouth guards. So if you're a cheerleader and you don't want, you know, to have, you want to be able to smile and have your teeth showing, they have a lower mouth guard that accomplishes the same thing. And it's not visible. So um, there you have it, Zay.
1: There we go. Get that brain guard, baby.
0: Come on, man. Brainvault.com. Yeah, man. Um, all right, so give me your thoughts on Texas Houston
1: what what's on your mind um really how many points can Texas put up tomorrow Is that we're at zone offense improved in the week and basically the two weeks that you've had to prepare for it or get better with it because we know the stats they are not good when you're, up there with Cincinnati and Baylor in the back end of the stats and the standings when it comes to red zone efficiency, that's not good whatsoever. So, when you get those opportunities, are they capitalizing on them? We know we already mentioned about Jake Majors and Cole Hudson, possibly to where it might be a Connor Robinson game. Well, Connor Robinson, you've had two weeks to prepare. He did a decent job against Oklahoma. Obviously, he had his faults in that game, like a lot of guys that get a lot more reps than Connor Robinson does. But I expect him to come in this game and handle business. You know, a a thing that we don't talk about in that Oklahoma game enough, the nine penalties really hurt the horns offensively, like the false starts and just, like, illegal man downfield, just stupid shit, like things that, you know, self-inflicted wounds that just don't need to be there. With what they did against Alabama on the road, and you talked about, yeah, Oklahoma, te- you know, Texas, Oklahoma, that's a different atmosphere, just one side, rah-rah, the other side, boo-boo. Like, it's it's different atmosphere, but still, I expect – this offense to not have the penalties like we saw in that game, and be able to move the ball against a team that's very vulnerable in multiple places. So, Quinn yours being on the money, whatever the script is for Steve Sarkeesian, if, if. Um, Dana throws you something different, then bottle that thing up, throw it in the trash, and move on and do whatever they're giving you. But this defense, they shouldn't be able to touch Texas. And this offense should put up Buku points tomorrow.
0: Yeah, that's I'm right there with you. I mean, this is a this is a game where the Texas offense should be able to dominate and let's uh let's see it. Let's see how you know, Steve Sarkeesian said, let me see if I can find it here so that people believe me. Um, Steve Sarkeesian talking about, you know, he might have a, a little bit of a, uh, pissed off team. Here is Steve Sarkeesian.
4: Um, I, I, I feel like I've got a team right now. That's a little pissed off and that's okay. You know that, that they're angry. Um, and they want to get back on the field. They want to play. Um, you know, I, I think they all likelihood. I know that a lot of them wanted the rest last week. I think they all wanted to get out there and play again next Saturday to kind of get that taste out of their mouth. And so that's kind of how practice has felt. It's been very intense um, um, because I think that, that, that these guys feel like we're a good football team and, and we've got something to prove. And as a coach, the fact that it's coming internally, that it's coming from them in the locker room, that's a great sign. And so, um again we need to make sure that we execute at a high level but the intent from which we're going about it throughout practice and i think the intent that we will play with saturday uh and then every saturday moving forward i think is the right one
1: yeah pissed off i need that i need that energy you should be pissed off and like, like i told you chip I want a big-ass poster fathead of the picture of Danny Stutzman and Brent Venables wearing the Oklahoma Fears God, Texas Fears Oklahoma shirts, and Brent Venables has his hat turned backwards like freaking Fred Dirts. I need that hung up because every time you see that picture when you walk through the facilities, that's going to make your skin boil. That's going to piss you off and say, damn it, we let this happen. Look at these guys. Thriving in our expense. All right, cool. Houston, you're next. Houston ain't even got nothing to do with it. But they in the way. They in the way. So like Sark said, you should be pissed off. And yeah, man, I told Rodney yesterday when you were out there golfing, you know, just going crazy and Tiger getting your Tiger Woods on. I told Rodney, man, if there were an almost fight at practice these last two weeks, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. You need that. Like, hold each other accountable type of stuff to where you get pissed off if your teammate makes a mistake that he shouldn't be making. Like, you let that dude know, hey, that's BS. Do your job. And that teammate might snap back. Don't worry about me. Do your job. And then they might have to break them up. I need that. That's healthy. That's healthy because all these guys, competitors, alpha males, like, that's healthy. Now, it ain't healthy when it goes to Draymond Green, Jordan Poole. I know you remember that. Now, Jordan Poole's off in Washington. Like, you don't want those problems. You got to, you know, still keep it together. These are your teammates. But, yeah, man, like, I, I need some fire. I need, I like hearing that this team is pissed off. And not only should the players be pissed off, the coaches should be pissed off. Because last time they were on the sideline, they got out coached. They did. Brent Venables and that coaching staff for Oklahoma, they out coached them. So you can't allow that to happen. Sark talked about, we just heard, putting this team in the best situations to win. And they should be able to do that against Daniel Hogerson and that crew because the roster's not even close in talent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's Sark on the injury. Uh, well, no, I think. I think uh well let's I can't remember if this is yesterday. Yeah, the, the,
4: all the everybody's practiced. Um a couple of those guys I think will be game time decisions but again, everybody practiced all week. Um you know my my decision as a coach ultimately is is those guys that all the guys we're talking about is it in the best interest of the team, A, to, to put them out there? Do they put us in the best position to be successful? And then, B, you have to look at each individual. Is it in their best interest to put them out there to compete? But I will give them all a lot of credit. Uh, they all they all came to work this week and, and worked hard, and they've continued to do their rehab. And um, I'm, I'm probably more pleasantly – I'm more pleased with where we are at this week than maybe a little bit of what I was anticipating um so that that's a real positive and that's a credit to our training staff and to those guys individually of putting in the work to get themselves in position to uh to be where they're at today
0: yeah i mean this is again you got jake majors is trying to get by on a high ankle sprain you got cole hudson coming back from the knee um could be a Connor robertson game i'm hearing. You know, it's 50-50 and pick them as to whether JT Sanders or Ryan Watts and Jalen Catalan will be out there, too. I think they want to get these guys right, and so we'll see. We'll see. But it's uh, this is a game where Texas should be pissed off, fired up, ready to roll, get that OU taste out of their mouths. It really shouldn't matter. Um, But – you know, defensively, you know Donovan Smith's a guy who can kind of chop you up a little bit. He did it last year to Texas. So let Malik, let Malik Muhammad, let Terrence Brooks, let Gavin Holmes play up on the line. Don't don't play that soft coverage anymore. And you know, if you got to bring pressure, bring pressure. Um, be smart about it, but you know, zone blitz it. Whatever you got to do but just don't play that soft coverage don't do that
1: yeah yeah this should have been a big two weeks for terry joseph the secondary coach, and Blake Gideon. I throw them in the mix, too, you know, getting these guys ready, especially if you're going to be without Ryan Watts. I mean, clearly they didn't trust those guys, specifically the last five plays of the game where Oklahoma went 75 yards included that Terrence Brooks pass interference. And if you look at that Terrence Brooks pass interference call, I could get why you don't trust those guys to play tight, like you're saying, and what we've been saying since that game. Like, you got to – let those dudes loose. Let those dogs loose. They got to force more uh, turnovers, Chip. They got to take more chances, man, because they just got to get the ball back. That's how you score more points when you give your offense more opportunities. Like, you cannot let Donovan Smith, which they do very well. Like, Donovan Smith's really good at short yardage completions. That's why, you know, he has the most completions and had 16 straight last Thursday against West Virginia, but you can't let him dink and dunk his way up the field and have it work the clock. Again, even though we've been talking about it all year, and it's definitely a factor. The clock is going to move, even if you get the first down. So, guys, y'all gotta play tight. Y'all gotta be, you know, those weak ass quick outs, those weak ass hitch and comeback routes that are like five yards and stuff, the smoke screens. Blow that all up. That needs to be blown up. I know everybody's afraid of getting beat deep and this and that, but man, you got to take chances in this game. And I'm fine if you get beat every once in a while, but redeem yourself if that happens. If you're doing that, taking the chance – cool but if you're playing passive just because you're afraid of getting beat down the field nah man that's not what you come to texas to do that's not like you came to texas to hopefully go to the next level and play in the national football league and to win big 12 slash sec championships and maybe get to a college football playoff that's why you came to texas and you don't play passive and that's not going to help you get to where you want to get so yeah i'm gonna need terry joseph all up in they shit all game tomorrow because they're going to get tested. Like I, we've been saying all week, those wide receivers don't slight them. Like they ain't no scrubs at all. Samuel Brown, solid. You know, you talk about man, Jack, solid golden as blazers. I mean, Stefan Johnson who caught the hell Mary, all those guys, they're capable of making plays for this Cougar offense. So, you know, Make sure your head's on the swivel and you're locked in and you definitely can't take this Houston wide receiver crew lightly.
0: Yeah, yeah, no no doubt about it. I mean, take a good close look at Matthew Golden in this game.
1: Yeah, I know Bucky Gabo talked about we don't be kicking to him. I'm like, oh oh man and can we get any type of special teams love like can we get a long punt return or a kick return this is the game right this is the game where those things should happen like keelan robinson you're too talented to not be able to be a factor on like the kickoff return team like it drives me nuts you know and sometimes he takes it out when he shouldn't you know i get him trying to make plays and now he's forcing it now it's gotten so bad there's times where he forces that thing and he should fair catch it, but he ends up taking it out and only gets to like the 17 yard line. You're like, what the hell, bro, what are we doing? But I kind of understand, like, we want to try to make something happen because we haven't seen it in two years since Deshaun Jameson was recovering uh, punts and stuff. So that's, that has to get better. Sark talked about it a little bit uh, coming into the off week after Oklahoma. And I want to see more of that. Like, Because Houston's doing it. you got other teams, USC, uh, Notre Dame took one to the house against Southern Cal last week. There's a lot of teams out here making plays with their special teams. And even though you had that really good punt block with Keaton Crawford where Malik Muhammad got the touchdown in the Red River shootout, you haven't seen much, you know, other than that. Like, I'm trying to see some returns. Xavier Worthy, I know that you like want to make things happen. You want to have a chance to make a big play. Well, let's do that, man. And that's just not on them. I know there's a lot that goes into it from a blocking and scheme standpoint. I get that. But I there just needs to be another, you know, there needs to be another level this texas team could go to and if they could provide some type of momentum with the special teams on the kicking and punting return team then yeah that just takes this horns team to another level and i'm definitely with something like that and hopefully maybe we could see that tomorrow are you feeling it are you calling a shot i'm feeling it more than i ever have with this team which ain't much That's not saying much you know like at, at least uh over 30 yards. Give me that. Over 30 yards. Xavier Worthy, Keelan Robinson, something, you know, some positive yards that give this offense an easier chance to score. Like I need that cuz this is the team that you do that to.
0: Okay? All right. I like it. I'm uh I'm putting my faith in the in the Texas offense, but special teams could help me get to 50. I'm I'm saying this is the game where Texas has to get 50 points. If ever there was a game left on the schedule to get to 50 points, this is the one. And so I think I'm the only one at horns247.com. I think we all predicted that Houston would end up with 17 points. I predicted 52 to 17. I think how was, let me see here. I don't want to. I don't want to incorrectly state what, uh, what people had going. Um, yeah. Jeff Howe said 41, 17. Um, I'll take that too. My man, uh, Hank said 45, 14, 45, 14. And. Uh, Eric Henry said 44, 17, and I'm at 52, 17. So, um, you know, let's see this Texas offense. It's just too much talent. I mean, you know, you look at this, you look at this season, this offense is underperforming and it's underperforming because it's not scoring touchdowns in the red zone. It's that simple. You're 123rd nationally of 130 teams in converting red zone trips into touchdowns you're only doing it 45% of the time and you've you've had 24 trips into the red zone only 11 touchdowns that's that's why Texas is barely averaging more than what they averaged last year last year they averaged 34.5 this year they're averaging 35 points per game i thought they would be at 40 points per game this year because i believed in jonathan brooks coming into the season i believed in 80 mitchell and Xavier worthy and jordan whittington and jt sanders and this offensive line before the ou game was playing well enough protecting well enough for jonathan brooks to be the number two rusher in the nation. Now he's not that anymore because Texas was off last week, but you get my point. I mean, they're this is a, what should be a prolific offense. Sark was telling people before the season, this offense is getting closer to the ones he had at Alabama, like in eight in 19 and 20 when he was, you know, totally loaded had Najee Harris and all those receivers. So it's, you know, it's time, it's time. This, this red zone thing has been a problem since last year. You go back to the TCU game first and goal from the two first and goal from the five and they get three points out of those trips and neither possession involved a touch for Bijan Robinson. And that, that tells me that like Sark has a block about, you know, using his running backs in the red zone, or how to use them? Because how does Bijan Robinson not get a touch no, man um, first and goal from the two and first and goal from the five? Zay.
1: Yeah, that's the same type of confusion that if you're a Southern Cal fan. Why isn't Reggie Bush in the game on the last possession where Linda White gets stopped? I appreciate it for obvious reasons, but yeah, the guy that was holding the clipboard, Steve Sarkeesian. So you're right. He does have some type of block of elite players not being in the game in crucial possessions. And yeah, that's become a problem. And, you know, Jonathan Brooks, I know he has some things to improve on when it comes to his goal line running also, but What wrinkles is Steve Sarkeesian going to make? You just talked about that stat, like 120, yikes. That is trash, man. Like that is absolute garbage. And, you know, there's just so many different ways you could go with how talented this roster is there's so many things that you could do to keep this defense on their toes, whether it's throwing Savion red in there, Malik Murphy, having, you know, JT Sanders do some different things or Gunnar Helm, or I don't know, but you should be able to mix it up more than just putting Travondre sweat and Byron Murphy in the game, just to try to bully guys. Even those guys, even though those guys aren't used to blocking every single day. So yeah, Sark, you know, he's, Still has that monkey on his back for the red zone. And, again, this is the team that you throw that – freaking monkey off and say hey it don't matter what they do this is houston they're not gonna stop us let's get our mojo back let's get our momentum going and show not only ourselves but the nation that we're a complete offensive juggernaut and we've seen flashes chip but we just haven't seen it consistently and this is a team that you know they still have over 500 something yards against oklahoma like they Sark's right. They are driving the ball down the field, but once they get inside the 20, it gets stagnant. It gets stale and you got to mix it up more than what you're doing and have this team gain some confidence from that.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a mindset about the, the red zone that you have to have as a team.
1: Yeah.
0: It, it's gotta be a, this is, our territory this is when we bow up and get as focused and fiery as we can possibly get because i had one coach tell me you know down there that's where you you know condense your splits and and you know race to the sideline as opposed to you know trying to beat them to the end line and and so you know He's got motion. He knows how to use motion. I mean, whatever it takes. I mean, they've run that motion with split zone running plays that have been great. So, you know, Sark, it just just seems like he's got too many tools in the toolbox to be, you know, to be messing this up.
1: Yeah. But where's Keelan Robinson? Like, he was way more involved in the offense these last two years than he is in 2023. That's odd to me. Like, we, I get that. They have so many weapons. Maybe it's hard for them to get out on the field and, you know, they want to keep them fresh for the special teams. But I, I don't know, man, like, especially when you're having these struggles, that dude, he just has too much juice, too much explosiveness. And when he goes into motion, guys are pointing and just because his speed is, you know, it's different. So I'm – That's confusing to me. I'm very shocked these first six games, they're not utilizing uh, Keelan Robinson more in this offense, not just red zone offense, the offense as a whole. Like you haven't seen much of Keelan Robinson and in a way you're kind of wasting the luxury that he is that speed that he has, like you're just kind of wasting it. And I don't know why maybe we'll see more of these next six games, but that's just another guy that you could possibly go to, to shake things up. That's going to make it very hard for the defense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. We got, uh, we got uh, our man Glenn stretch Smith, former Cowboys offensive assistant coach who is driving his son, Colby, a rising star quarterback, uh, to the state of Arkansas for, uh, well, we'll let Stretch tell us. Stretch, how you doing?
3: Good. How you guys doing today?
0: Oh, man. Well, uh, good. good. Don't kill yourself there. I see you're doing the driving.
3: Yeah, I'm trying to trying to get across Oklahoma. Boy, I got a horrible signal here. I'm. I'm having a hard time hearing you guys. I'm wondering if I
0: ought to dial back in. Yeah, well, you can do that, or we can yell.
3: Yeah, let me let me dial back. Let me see if I can dial you right back. I, we just got a bad signal in here, and I'll okay. try you back. Okay, all
0: right. That sounds good. Cowboys, of course, are off this this week. So are the Texans, for that matter. Um, but you know, want to get. Stretches take on the Cowboys win over the Chargers. Salty Dak. So I'm talking about it. was a must-win game. We want to we want to get we want to get we want to get stretches take on Dak saying F yeah it was a must win game over the Chargers. F yeah <laughs> hey,
3: you like saying that don't you chip? You like <laughs> give it to me, give it to me one more time so we can hit the trifecta.
0: F Yeah, it was a <laughs> must-win game, says Dak Prescott. What do you hey, think uh, of that?
3: Oh, well, I mean, they, they needed to go out there and win, guys. After what we saw and how they played, you know, in the Bay Area, they needed to go back out west and, and rinse that taste out of their mouth. And, and they did. I mean, I thought what you saw out of the Cowboys was playing with a sense of urgency, Dak doing some things with his legs. Do, do I wish they'd run the football better? 100%. Do I wish that they could uh, be a little more dominant with their offensive line and, and the starting five? I do. But they went out there, they won, and they needed that going into a bye week. I think it's something that the Cowboys needed to do was to go out west, win that game, and then go into this bye week and see if they can fix, I, I don't know, west coast, Texas coast. French toast, whatever the hell they call this (laughs) offense right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, Stretch. You mentioned Dak using his legs, and that's the best version of Dak Prescott when he's out on the move, moving around in the pocket, scrambling for first downs. That touchdown that he had with the fake, you know, run that was absolutely beautiful. And you know, talk about like a player's psyche coming off just a horrific injury like Dak Prescott, where he had his leg completely turned around, and then trying to find that mojo that you had before the injury. Like, how hard is it for players? that you know well, your experience of being the coach and whatnot.
3: Yeah, I mean any anytime you have that type of injury, I mean you're 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 the quarterback that's gotta, you know, get that foot in the ground. You gotta let the ball go. You gotta have the confidence and knowing that if you gotta run the football, you can still stick and move on that. It's really all about confidence. I think it's something, quite frankly, that we're seeing Gallup have issues with is coming off of that injury that he had and then being able to run the type of routes that he ran, you know, before the injury. I think it's something that uh, it's, it's a confidence thing. It's a, it's a mental thing, understanding that, you know, it's okay. It's okay. If I really put this thing in the ground and drive off of it. And I think it's a, it's one of those things that it only happens when it happens and it happens when it has to go with the speed of the game. And, and, and when you see Dak, pull that ball out on that zone read and he damn near fumbled it, but he grabbed it and then all of a sudden, you know, he spit it up in there. I think there's something to be said for the confidence and knowing that you can put your foot in the ground and and go get it and so um, I do think that that helped Dak. I think the thing that still concerns me again is the the lack of the running game and then he missed the wheel route the Pollard right there in the corner of the end zone that's got to be hit if you're a top 15 quarterback in the NFL, there was no weather, there was no rain, there was no wind, there was no wet ball. And then early in the game, you know, he missed uh, he missed Gallup on that seam in the red zone. So I do think those are things that Dak will continue to work on. And hopefully, I mean, you know, they can get a run game going because that's really where Dak, I think, is his best, is when they can run the football and then play action off of that and get him out on the edge and get him able to extend some plays and do some things with his legs. That's, that's the Dak Prescott, I think, that is the winning formula for the Cowboys. And the only way that's going to happen is if they get the run game back. I, I, but I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'm concerned about the run game. I'm concerned about Mike McCarthy's offense. I'm, I'm concerned about him calling the run. I'm not real sure when you see them right now, Try to run the football. Boy, I mean, running the football is about angles and it's about coming off the ball. And considering the Cowboys are, are playing with Smith, Smith, Beadish, you know, Martin and Steele, which are their their front five, to not be running the ball any better than they are, I think is a concern.
0: Yeah, I love, I love Tony Pollard, but man, you gotta you gotta put him in the right position to be successful. Stretch.
3: Well, yeah, and and, and, I mean, you know, and they've got a one-two with Dowdle. I mean, he can hit it up in there, too, so I I agree with you. I mean, I think the the tight ends have got to be more physical, and and this offensive front's got to become better at getting off the football and and creating some lanes. Hell, they could put Jim Brown back there. It wouldn't matter if they're not blocking any better (laughs) than they are right now.
1: (laughs) All right. Go ahead, Zay. No, I was just kind of piggybacking on that. Do you think Tony Pollard's also going through that Michael Gallup, Dak Prescott coming off of the injury that he had against San Francisco in the divisional round, just not looking, you know, a hundred percent or like he did in 2022?
3: Well, I mean, I, I, I'm sure that there's some of that, but again, I mean, you know, it, it's about, it's about getting a hat on the hat. And I mean, the last I checked, it, it, you know, maybe they want to call who they're playing next because if, if they're planning on tackling, you better block their ass. And right now, that's not happening for the Cowboys.
0: Yeah. Next next up, the Rams. I mean, they're off this week. The Cowboys are off this week. And then here comes the Rams. Um, your thoughts, your early thoughts on that one.
3: Well, I mean, you know, guys, the NFL, we, we know it's a week-to-week league right now. It is week-to-week. I mean, you see – the Jets get beat by 30 by Dallas, come back and beat Philadelphia. I mean, it is a literally it's a week to week league. So I think you better be ready to play. I I am just I guess what I continue to tell you guys is I don't think it's so much who Dallas is playing right now as much as it is, hey, what are we gonna do to get our house in a little better order? Because like I said, I mean when you've got their front five. Uh, playing together for now what's going to be the third week in a row with an off week mixed in there, you better get to running the football better because that's that's what really matters. I do like, you know, I think what they did defensively was was, was pretty sound, um, you know, as far as bringing the safeties downhill and letting curse, letting Wilson, uh, letting Hooker play downhill, you know, putting Bell in there and let him, play some at linebacker, even though he's a safety, uh, you know, with Vander Esch being out, I thought, you, I, I thought you saw the defense fly around pretty well. And so I think it's, you know, right during this off week, I think it really is cleaning up what's going on in your own house, Chip, versus worried about whether it's the Rams or the Eagles you're going to have twice, the Redskins you're going to have twice, the Giants you're going to have again, so on and so forth with it being, a you know, a week-to-week league.
0: Parsons is hurting, right? I mean, his ankle; he looks like he's not all the way.
3: Yeah, and yeah, I think he—I think he tweaked that a little bit. And I mean, you know, but that's again playing with—you know—playing through that is just part of the NFL. And and uh, I think you'll—you know—you'll see him get better. I mean, I think you know you're seeing the maturation to me of Dorrance Armstrong. You're seeing, you know, Lawrence come off the ball. I mean. Odigie I mean, all those guys inside are are tough, good football players. So I, I don't think Dallas's issue is on defense. I think obviously they're going to have to, you know, minus Vander Esch, they're going to have to still come up with somebody who can adjust the defense, get the calls in there, make sure their run fits are right. But again, I, I don't want to sound like it's coach speak, but they got to run the football, and that's something that they're going to have to get cleaned up.
1: Yeah. Stretch, what's the ideal situation going into a bye week? Like, what do you tell your players about just time off? What do coaches do during this time of the week? Like, what goes into that specifically for a week seven like the Cowboys and the Texans are going through?
3: Well, I mean, I don't think you have to tell pro guys much. I mean, obviously, they know what's in front of them. They understand you know, what, what is going to be a rough second half, you know, being a game back of the Eagles. Yeah, they got to play them twice and, and all of those things. So I think you're looking forward a little bit from a coaching standpoint. You know, when you've got your bye week, hey, are we going to have some short weeks? I understand some of these games could get flexed to later times. And so you're trying to get your schedule right and trying to understand how um, to schedule your practices to make sure – that you know you, your players stay really in that sweet spot, which in my mind it's always been about you know a routine. It's always been about schedule. It's always been about understanding that we want the players in the building. You know, we want guys even in their off time making sure they're getting treatment. Chip talked about Parsons. I'm sure that even though they're going to get a, a, a probably on a three day weekend hey, he's in there getting treatment, they're lifting, and they're doing what they need to do because if the Cowboys, and I, and I believe they are, have the leadership that they do, I'm sure that the players are challenging the players to handle their business in the correct way, and we know that the coaches will handle themselves and then try to get a little time off Saturday and Sunday to get you know yourself in a position to make the push. I mean, much in the same way that I'm sure Sarkeesian did with, with the Longhorns. I mean, you lose a tough game at Oklahoma. You got to take a week off. You got to come back and play Houston, which is a team that is going to be throwing it all over the yard. And, and I'm sure they were prepping to get, uh, you know, to get that defense ready to go and keep their offense tuned up.
0: Well, stretch. I went to go see the lions play last weekend against the bucks and they pounded Baker Mayfield and the boys into the dirt, the Cowboys and lions play. December
3: 30th, who's going to be the better team at that point, Stretch? Oh, I can't tell you who's going to be a better team tomorrow, Chip. I mean, if I knew that, we'd go get out, and you've heard me say this. We'd go out there to the desert where they keep them on, the lights on, 24-7, 365, and dump the pockets out and kiss a rabbit between the ears and make a big bet. I don't, hell, I got, I got no idea. I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now, I like I like where the Cowboys are, and I know you like where your Detroit Lions are, and I, you know there's a lot of football to be played before then. But I, I do like the direction that the Cowboys use Dak, which is you know what uses legs, let him manage the football game, no interceptions, and uh, you know we'll have to see what happens, you know when when we get to that time. They got a lot of football to play between now and then.
0: There's no question the first three years of Dak's NFL career, he ran the ball more and he was more successful. And I'm not saying he needs to be some dual threat guy, but he does need to go get those, those free yards when something breaks down or well, and McCarthy great job calling that zone read play and on the 18 yard touchdown run. But when Dak was not using his legs and trying to you know, hitch five times in the pocket and make a pass that was going to be forced and late. Just use his legs, and that—that's key. I agree with you. He's got to—he's got to use that part of his game to be at his best.
3: Well, and I—I I mean, I, again, to me, it's about extending plays. I don't want to put the quarterback out there in the NFL running it ten or twelve times a game. I don't like what the Eagles do. As far as running quarterback draw, running quarterback power, now we're back to the Tom Herman mentality of every time there's a critical play in the game, run, you know, put the damn neck power roll right. on, put the neck roll on Sam Ellinger and let him let him hit it up there like he's got a pair. No, I don't think that works in the NFL. I think you've got to, you can extend plays and you can do some things with your legs, and I and I think that, like you said, I mean, Dak needs to do that, but he needs to do it off of having a running game.
1: Yeah, yeah. All sure. right. Oh, go ahead, Zay. Where Where you going, man? Gotta let us know. Chip I asked you before the show. We kind of had technical difficulties. Where are y'all off to?
3: We are off to Fayetteville, Arkansas. My my junior quarterback's going to go up here and visit with Sam Pittman. We're going. to we might go up here and call the Hogs in a time or two against Mississippi State, and and uh, hope that. uh, Hey, hope that the the hogs need a win. My man Sam Pittman's a hell of a guy. They they got it. They got it going the wrong direction. So we're uh, we're up here between McAllister and somewhere else in Oklahoma, and it's uh, it's Oklahoma, boys. That's that's, that's what I'll say. to <laughs>
0: Get out of there as fast as you can, Stretch.
3: <laughs> You're not gonna get me to say anything bad about Oklahoma. My, I had a, I had a great time in Norman. I, up up 75 and up over on uh between mcallister and i don't know where the hell else we are i, I i'm a little i'm a little worried i'll be honest with you <laughs>
0: well get get back uh to focusing on the road we appreciate you taking a little time with us uh
3: you know and you and colby be safe and uh have a have a great trip hi hey, i appreciate it fellas good luck hey get the get the longhorns a win down there for crying out loud i, I i'm I'm not a I'm not a big fan of uh, of of Holgerson Run his run his ass back to Houston with a beatdown is what I want to hear. Yeah, you got a good you got a good red zone play. You can send to Sark. I do, Coach. Just 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 uh, get a hat on a hat up front, and and you know what? Be physical. That's I mean that that have you ever? And I know that again. That's kind of a coach speak thing. But can you not remember when? Texas was Texas and they were rolling. I mean, whether it was John McAvick or Fred Acres, I mean, they were running the football and I mean, we could come up with all kinds of cute plays. I mean, the bottom line is get down there and find a guy in another color jersey and knock his ass off and put him in the end zone. That's, <laughs> no, it's, it not, it's not that. It's not that hard. Thank you. Thank you. alright you're, right. you're you're welcome, Chip, and I'll send you an invoice. Yes. Yes.
0: Send me an invoice.
3: all right what is that hat you got on chip let me see that what does that chapeau say brain
0: Brain vault vault. this is the uh this is the the mouth guard that protects against concussion
3: okay all right what's the name of it again
0: brain vault
3: god bless you
0: yes all right sounds
3: like sounds like a hell of a do you wear that thing when you're playing tennis out there at great hills
0: I'm I'm about to start. Yes, <laughs> I got fitted for I got fitted for a brain vault mouth guard today. I will start wearing it when I'm playing tennis. All
3: right. well, good luck to a swell fella. That's all I know. Thank to tell you. you. Thank guys. you. All right, fellas. All right. Say, have a great stretch. day. Have a Thanks. good week. Do it again next week. All right, buddy. See you, man.
0: All right, there he goes. Our man stretch. Yeah, all right, uh, uh, great stuff per usual. We gotta, we gotta. We got a lot to get to here. Let me, let's, first of all, kids, uh, Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. It's Friday, which means it's time for you to make your reservation uh, at Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. Or just put a reminder in your phone. All night happy hour on Monday night. You know, Monday night football. You got, uh, what do you got? You got Vikings. You got, uh, um, you know, the Cowboys are off. But all night happy hour at Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. The appetizer menu. Just order off the appetizer menu. This is this is great seafood, and it's from our man Jack Gilmore, who has given you Jack Allen's kitchen. He designed the menus for a bunch of Larry Foles restaurants um, for Covered Three, and now he's doing his own thing with uh, Jack Allen's and Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. So load up. Monday night, all-night happy hour, Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. Or go there tonight. I mean, it's – you will not be sorry. Location in Austin and Round Rock, Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. Um, And, Zay, I'm going to give you a little, little chip shot. You ready for a little chip shot?
1: Let's get it.
0: All right, so my man, Tavondre Sweat, okay, Huntsville, Texas. He's out there he's doing his thing and his coach Rodney Southern um, saw this kid come in was like wow okay we got a specimen here and moved him up as a freshman to the JV one of the first two games he sniffs out a a screen pass intercepts it almost runs it back for a touchdown he's like wow okay so He's growing. At that time he was 6'2", 220 His, you know, sophomore year, he's 6'3", 240 His junior year, he's 6'3", 270 In his senior year, he's you know, six four two eighty. And he's playing defensive end, but he's wrecking. He's wrecking offenses, he's getting recruited. The first offer came from SMU, believe it or not. And as usual, once one, you know, big program offers the others come flying in and before long he was getting recruited by Alabama and Jeff banks was an assistant at Alabama at that time. Of course, now he's the tight ends coach, special teams coordinator at Texas, but he's the one who offered Tavandre sweat a scholarship to Alabama, and and Tavandre felt, you know, he just felt more comfortable staying in the state of Texas. Oscar Giles was doing the recruiting back then from Tom Herman's staff and did a great job of recruiting Tavandre. But Rodney Southern told me that, like, Tavandre was kind of oblivious to just how highly thought he was by these big-time colleges and he said man you've got a decision to make if nick saban's offering you a scholarship you're one of the best players in the country and he said to sweat was a guy he kind of had to tell him hey you're good enough you know you're good enough to play on sundays you keep your Focus sharp and your nose clean, you're gonna have a chance to play in the NFL on Sundays. And then of course Tavondre comes to Texas under Tom Herman. The the defensive coordinator was Todd Orlando. Then Todd Orlando gets blown out. Chris Ash comes in. And then Chris Ash and Tom Herman get blown out, and Steve Sarkeesian comes in with Bo Davis. And that was Tavandre's third you know different regime basically third different defensive coordinator in three years and it probably slowed him down honestly um because those guys play play it differently todd orlando you know had a three-man front had his ends playing in the four eye where they're gonna have to take on double teams and um you know, Chris Ash came in and used a four-man front. PK uses a hybrid of fronts. And having that consistency in the Sarkeesian, this is third year with Bo Davis. We're seeing it now where he's totally comfortable with what he's being asked to do. And he's the highest rated defensive tackle in college football, according to Pro Football Focus. He's, he's giving you what you want he's given you pressures, he's he's gotten hits, he's batted passes, he's you know, got two fourth down stops solo um in where he beat his man and made the tackle at the point of attack for no gain on fourth and short and those are the plays that just light you you know, light your team up. Get your get the momentum going. Both of those fourth down stops led to sudden change touchdowns from the offense. So, um, you know, Tavondre Sweat can't say enough. He doesn't have all the tackles. He doesn't have all the sacks. What he does is he cancels his gap and makes it where no one can run up the middle, not running backs. And, and so that's, you just appreciate those guys. And if you take some time tomorrow during the game, Take a series where Houston has the ball and just watch what 93 is doing when he's in there because they will rotate him through um, and and watch what we're talking about with him because he is as disruptive as you're going to find right now in college football. And that's another reason this is the year, Zay. Uh, Devondre Sweat is gone after this year and he is a he's a problem. For opposing offenses and when you have a guy like that you need to be you need to be taking advantage of it you need to be winning games and so big 93 to sweat is making it happen treating it like a contract year and right now setting himself up for a nice payday uh at the end of this football season
1: yeah yeah you're right and to neutralize what javondre sweats doing getting the ball out quick. We saw it with Dylan Gabriel. We're going to see that with Donovan Smith. So you don't even let T sweat even have a chance to disrupt stuff. Cause the ball is out of your hands or trying not to run it, which we know Houston, they're already struggling to run the ball. We're definitely going to see Donovan Smith with the carries, but yeah, Trevondre Sweat, I think he's been the most consistent. We gave him the MVP last week, midseason defensive MVP, even though Jalen Ford will probably be next after that, especially with the number of reps that he plays on the field, but Trevondre Sweat, he's been a man this year. He's been an absolute problem, and yeah, yeah, those numbers aren't there, but he allows guys like Jalen Ford and these linebackers to come up and make these tackles because he's causing so much attention due to double teams and guys can't on him. So, yeah, he needs to keep doing what he's doing. And this whole Texas defense, they got to start forcing more turnovers, man. When that quarterback has the ball and you get to him, you got to try to strip that thing out or Peanut Tillman, Derrick Johnson type shit. Like that's what we need from this defense. And Trevondre Sweat. I think he could be that guy to make things happen, force some fumbles and stuff. But yeah, he just has to have more opportunities. And these offenses, these next few games, they're going to look at him and say, hey, we can't let this guy disrupt our passing offense or our running offense, so we got to get the ball out of our hands quick or try to avoid him as much as possible, so therefore, the rest of these guys on this defense, they need to come up and step up and make plays since Trevondre Sweat, again, gets that much attention, but yeah, I love the way he plays, and it's interesting that he didn't think that he was that big time coming out of high school. Usually, those guys, alpha dogs, like, you know you the man, you know, I wasn't the man. I was like the third leading scorer on our team, but don't let me get twenty chip because you're gonna hear about it for the next two weeks. So, yeah, the fact that trevondre Sweat being a humble guy and stuff that says a lot about him. And yeah, I expect him to make a lot of money and be a very high selection in the 2024 draft coming up. Yeah,
0: and he's the he's the funny he's the funny guy on the team. He's the big funny dude. And it was, it was interesting because all the guys talked about how he and Keandre Coburn were the comedy duo of the locker room, right? Well, then Keandre Coburn goes pro he's with the chiefs now. And so Tavandre is kind of looking for a new, you know, comedy duo and it it's Jonathan Brooks. What? So, yeah. So. Um Jonathan Brooks said he was in study hall, you know, his freshman year, and in comes big Tavandre cracking jokes. And and Brooks, you know, he and he and Tavandre hit it off. And and um Jonathan Brooks' mom told me that like Tavandre sort of took Brooks under his wing when um when brooks lost his dad in march of 2022 to a stroke brought on by kidney failure and and so there was big tavandre down there with brooks last weekend when brooks got his hallettsville jersey retired yeah that was cool. and uh he and jordan whittington both were down there and um and yeah, Jay Witt and Tavondre and David Benda are the only fifth year guys who came in together in 2019 in that 2019 recruiting class. So, um, you know, some interesting, you know, team bonding, player bonding dynamics. But yeah, Brooks and Brooks is the straight guy, the dry sense of humor guy. Yeah, and Tavondre is the big boisterous, funny guy who likes to keep guys loose, he'll be the ones, you know, he'll be the one in a meeting or before they go out of the locker room to, you know, say something to keep everybody loose. So um, he's mean as hell on the field, but funny as hell off of it. Big T sweat. All right, Zay, let's make sure we
1: get to the right call all right man before we get to the right call shout out to covert b cave the covert auto group family-owned auto dealerships that have served the greater austin area for over a hundred years and they have been committed to providing customers with a high quality selection of new and pre-owned vehicles because the customer satisfaction and the service can't be matched shout out to covert b cave and the seven beautiful brands that they have dodge chrysler cadillac gmc buick ram and jeep you will find what you want at covert b cave so you need that truck they got it at covert BK. you need that suv they got it you need that two door with the sunroof they got that too you will get hooked up at covert bk for any of the seven names that i seven brands that i just named covertbkcom has got you for all the latest specials and inventory nobody beats a covert deal not now not ever. All right, Ship. Well, I don't know if you saw this, but Senator John Manchin of West Virginia had something to say that was non, well, I guess it's political, but it didn't have much to do with politics that he should be talking about. He was talking NIL. And he said something. Now, John Manchin, he's a former West Virginia Mountaineer. So this makes a lot of sense coming from him because I don't think West Virginia, I don't think they're taking advantage of NIL like the Georgia's Ohio States or the Texas's are in the world. There's different standards there, but Joe, he goes on to say, excuse me, Joe Manchin, he goes on to say this about NIL. It's hard to root for these kids when they're starting as multi millionaires, as freshmen and sophomores. That's not good. No one cares. No one gives a
0: damn, right? And they should get whatever they can get. Thank you. And that should have been this way a long time ago.
1: Like, why, why are we so salty that these kids are How making. How old is that dude? Oh, he's ancient. 70s. Yeah, or he is seventies. He might be like around seventy five or so.
0: So he's an idiot who doesn't get it, because I've been saying this since for since twenty ten. The college football is the NFL farm system. It is pro football, and it's time for the players to get a piece of the pie because there is no AAA football. There is no G League for football. It's college football. I've said that the NFL should have to contribute money to college football for concussion database, better health insurance for student athletes. And this should have happened years ago. And if, if the idiots at the top of, of, you know, presidents athletic directors could have gotten their heads out the NCAA could have gotten their heads out of the sand about paying student athletes. I mean, Claudia, Wilkins, the federal judge in the O'Bannon case said, pay each student athlete, all of them, rowing, football, $5,000 a year for name, image, and likeness, and you'll have your problem solved. And that's what they should have done. And they didn't listen. Instead, they just kept saying, if we don't build it, they won't come. If we don't Do anything to help the student athletes maybe it will never happen and sure enough they let the state lawmakers get involved now they're asking congress i mean this is the most backward screwed up situation i've ever seen and everyone's like it's not sustainable nil is not sustainable you can't keep you you know no one no one has 38 million to endow their nil and that's, that's probably what it would take. And, and so they're having to keep going back to boosters. Hey, man, we need another million for Johnny. And they could have had this all figured out. But ultimately, everyone's talking about revenue sharing. Yeah, but you have to get to where your media rights are. You're collectively bargaining so that you get the most money. And that's what should have happened a long time ago. Now you're not going to get the SEC and the Big Ten to partner. We've already lost the Pac-12. We're not going to get the SEC and the Big Ten to partner with the ACC and the Big 12 because they're like, we we make too much money. Why would we share with you? When in actuality, if you pooled all the efforts together and you collectively bargained like the NFL does, there would be more money for everyone but you can't sell that now it's too late and it's just uh you know so you get these old heads who are like oh it's hard to cheer for these kids when they you know have flashy things no no it isn't college football is more popular than it's ever been and it will continue to be because it's college football people love it they can't get enough yeah and the best are getting better. That's the way it goes.
1: Yeah. There's a little part of me that respects Joe here because he's a serious hater. Like this is some serious hating I'm hearing for uh, Joe Manchin. Like again, and he was a player. Like he talked about how back in 1965 when he was a Mountaineer, he would have loved to got money, but that's just not how it went. Well, you should have you should have, Joe, especially if you were good. I don't think you were, but if you were good, you should have gotten some money because not everybody is Silver Spoon. And I don't know Joe Manchin's background history, but I bet he's more Silver Spoon than a lot of these guys that are just now making money for not themselves, but for their families, Chip you know what I'm saying? Like putting their family brand, having that represented and having people pay for that. And yeah, it might not last, you know, like how it's going right now, but while you can make that paper.
3: Oh yeah. Yes.
1: Some schools have Way more recess uh, resources than others. Absolutely. We knew that was going to happen going in. And you mentioned the O'Bannon case. The only thing that's wrong about NIL is they've taken way too long to get the college football and basketball games back for video games and stuff. That's the only thing that I hate about NIL and Ed O'Bannon and all that shit. But besides that, let these youngsters get paid because that little... Salary that they got before that was basically for a Papa John's pizza a week that ain't doing nobody any type of justice. So, yeah, if you're going to put Chris Webber's jersey all over Michigan back in the day and the Fab Five was making all that money, we got these white kids out in the suburbs wearing black socks with their black kicks, which nobody used to do before Jalen Rose and Chris Weber and Jawan Howard, then yeah, those guys deserve to get the fruits of their labor due to what they're bringing to the program, man. And the fact that Joe who's in Congress doesn't see that it's very arrogant to me. And if I was a West Virginia person, I wouldn't vote for his ass after hearing something like that. Like where, where, for one, you should be focused on other things, Joe. Like, I don't know why you're focused on this. You need to bring your energy to something more valuable that can maybe help out my life instead of worried about NIL stuff and hating on it. So, yeah, it's it's a bad look. And, yeah, unfortunately, there are a lot of geezers out there that have this type of thought process.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's – yeah, everyone's like, oh – you, I mean, nil and the transfer portal are gonna kill interest in college football. No, no, it actually elevates interest
1: oh, because, yeah. like, free best, agency.
0: Oh yeah, it's free agency. You, you're the best teams, and look at Dabo Sweeney and Clemson and Dave Aranda at Baylor. Their their teams aren't where they want them to be. They've sort of resisted the transfer portal and. You can't resist. Uh, yeah. Steve Sarkeesian's been so consistent. You have to adapt or die. He uses the dinosaurs as that's the worst, a terrible analogy. That,
1: that's one of the worst. That's the worst thing he says. That's, the that's worst a terrible thing he analogy. Says, yeah. But
0: you do have to adapt, and Texas has adapted, and Clemson, Baylor haven't, and you know. I, I get it. You know, a guy like Jeff Trailer is probably going to leave UTSA after this season because he wants to get somewhere where the school has enough NIL money to where his players aren't getting picked off like they are from UTSA. Um, we are pushing everything up. We're probably headed to a top forty programs in college football. That are, I mean, they're already separated so it's but you love those games you love those programs you love watching them play i mean the interest in college football has never been higher and it doesn't you know people are watching oregon washington they're watching texas oklahoma they're gonna watch penn state ohio state this week and it's everyone's like oh 12 team playoffs gonna reduce the interest in the regular season no it isn't no it isn't no stop talking
1: yeah what are we doing In,
0: in fact you could have gone to 16. That was part of my proposal back in 2010, go to a 16 team playoff. The money that you get from that and you could have offered at that time two or three spots to the group of 5, cut them in and you you avoid the antitrust lawsuits. Now I don't know what you know we're going to end up with, but everyone's going to watch. Yeah. And everyone's going to be riveted. So Joe can go back into his, his uh narrow-minded cave. He doesn't get it.
1: Yeah, that's some old school thinking there. And you mentioned Dave Aranda and Dabo at Clemson and Baylor not adapting. I've been the first one to hate on what Brent Venables is doing at Oklahoma. But you talk about that dude promoting his players. That picture with Danny Stutzman that I hate on almost every day on this show for obvious reasons. I got to salute Brent Venables for understanding and getting that this is where we are. I'm going to promote my players because they're the ones that make me money. They're the reason why I'm a millionaire because they're the ones on the field doing what I'm telling them to do and going out there and producing and winning games. So if they have a chance to make money, I'm going to help them out because I want other big-time players to know I care about not only what they do on the field, but their lifestyle off the field. So, yeah, you'll get passed up real smooth if you don't buy into what college football is continuing, you know, to be and what it's changing into. And, yeah, Sark's done a good job at that himself. But, yeah, some of these old heads, they're going to get left behind. And, oh, well, that's fine with me.
0: All right, before we uh, hand off here, what's your prediction for Texas-Houston, say?
1: Um, I'm going, gosh, man, 50 just seems high. I'm going to go 42 to 20. Yeah, just ran 42, 20. 42 to 20. What you got? You already said it. Home's It's Like what? 50 something? 52 to 17. I'm I'm trying to manifest this thing. Damn. Yo, that means Smith's got at least three interceptions in them when I'm hearing Tech,
0: that score. Texas Tech scored 49. True. True. All right. You got any other hot picks? Um we don't even there. have to do three. We can just do one.
1: We do one. Um Penn State. I got Penn State. You got Penn State? Penn State, baby. Jane Franklin. Let's go, James up, Franklin. James Franklin, this is it. Get that monkey off your back. The big games, man. Win the East before Southern Cal and UCLA come into uh, the Big Ten. Win the East, man. Muck everything up. Jim Hardballing and them cheating and stuff, stealing signs. Yeah, man, this is your chance because they got their problems going on, and they might not even let them in the college football playoff if it, get, if it plays out in the wrong way for the Wolverines. So, yeah, James Franklin, this is your chance right here. Michigan out here cheating and shit. We didn't talk about that. We didn't get a chance to. Jim Harbaugh, sketchy ass, khakis and stuff. Okay. All right. Yeah.
0: Isn't this what they've been doing in baseball, though, forever?
1: Yeah, but it's baseball, though. You know? i don't know i it, it's a if it's like one of those tcu situations to where you're dumb enough to show you know different patterns to give the other team just you know a head start on whatever you're doing then that's that's the other team's fault but if you're on some bill belichick like I'm doing just some corrupt type stuff And Michigan. I don't know, man. Y'all the best team in the nation for a reason. That would make a lot more sense to why y'all are blasting these teams the way y'all are if y'all out here scheming.
0: That's the other thing. When the rich keep getting richer, we're going to have microphones in the helmets of the quarterback so that you don't have to use South Park characters to on – (laughs) <laughs> cards to send in a play. Oh, man. There he is, Trey Elling.
5: If there is a conspiracy theory as to why we're seeing Harbaugh and Michigan get popped for this right now, it is that. Because there have also been stories this week about why doesn't college football do things like the NFL? Yeah, it costs a little bit, but the sport brings in a lot of money, too, to make this a feasible option.
0: Yeah, I mean... If you're a power five program, you have the money to put a microphone in a, in a quarterback's helmet and have the play caller deliver the play directly to him.
5: But I also don't want to take away from the notion that Jim Harbaugh is a piece of shit because he is.
0: <laughs> he's a weird dude.
1: Easy, man. He, is, he, was, he is He's scum. a weird dude. Yeah. All he right. So
0: scum. what's the plan for three to five?
5: Three to five. I think Jeff Howe is going to be on here in the next few minutes. And then he's going to be hopping off right around 420, which is when Zay comes back. And so that's the plan. And other than that, there is no plan. Well, I will
0: be joining BK down at uh, Z Tejas in Kyle from five to seven.
5: Yeah, and Kyle is just entirely too far away for those of us who live in Northwest Austin, <laughs> slash Cedar Park, like Zay and me, at any time, but especially during rush hour. <laughs> Thankfully, I had uh, youth volleyball practice tonight, although that got canceled last night because we're only going to have three of eight girls show up. So it's just like y'all, y'all just show up fifteen minutes before the game tomorrow. I guess we're gonna <laughs> have to go through some drills then.
1: Well, uh, how's the team going? Uh, how, how are y'all doing? How we the coaching? good?
5: They the coaching has been great. I mean, I've received the label very early, early on uh, of uh, the Nick Saban of second and third grade girls youth volleyball in Cedar Park. It's a mouthful, but I appreciate the sentiment. You know, Zay.
1: Oh man, the fact that you're comparing yourself to Saban is incredible. All
5: I right. didn't say it. Other people are giving me that label. I just uh, I just wear it with honor. I try and prove them
0: right each and every day. What is the strength? What is this volleyball team's name? What's their mascot? We're the uh, Dynamite. The Dynamite. Okay, what is the strength of the Dynamite? Are you all great passers, diggers,
5: We We are doing less cartwheels just before the serve than every other team in the league is strength number one. Strength number two is that we do get more serves over than any other team, which is more than half the battle. It's probably three-fourths of the battle, maybe 90% of the battle. And then we also have a group of girls who are not afraid of the ball. There's only two out of eight that I would classify as being a little bit afraid of the ball. So they are willing participants. And that goes a long ways at this level where it truly is about like, if you can bump the serve over Texas has a beach volleyball team now. Yeah. They have for a couple of years. Stein Metzger came over from UCLA. He was, I don't know if you actually won a championship at UCLA, but he's here now. He is a really good beach volleyball coach, a great player too. back in the day. And um, he brought some, uh, some talent with him too. And I mean that in a couple of ways. But yeah, Texas Beach Volleyball is a force to be reckoned with. But the second and third grade girls volleyball team that I coach, I'm very proud of them. They, they've all improved in their own way. My daughter, who is on the team, uh, she's a great player. We, we practice all the time on the side of the house. Is that her right
0: wish- over your shoulder there?
5: Yeah, that is her at the age of less than one looking cooler than I ever have in my life. I was going (laughs) to say. She's got swag.
1: Yo, man, to increase that vertical, are we doing plyometrics? Like, what's going on? Because I'm trying to see that spike game, you know?
5: Yeah, the spike game does not come into play for a few more years. So we're not doing a ton of jump training. I considered it. But I also don't want to go overboard. I'm trying to avoid the DJ Durkin of second and third grade girls volleyball in Cedar Park label. So we're making sure they hydrate. I'm not making them run too many laps or lines without the proper breaks. And in a few years, we'll start the jump training. But right now, it's merely a matter of getting them to do less cartwheels, get in the ready position when the is about to come, keep those knees bent, arms out in front, and then get ready to run to the ball. Oh, and call mine. They're pretty good at calling mine too.
1: Nice. See, Nick Saban would have done some jump training. I'm just saying, Saban. That would have been thrown into the coaching philosophy. I'm just saying, you you know.
5: It's not a one to one comparison. They're just speaking in terms of just how how dominant a run it's been for the last six weeks. <laughs>
1: Hey, can y'all do this for me? Since y'all are called the Dynamite, when y'all are breaking like one, two, three break before the girls go out on the court, can y'all say Dynamite like Jimmy Walker from Good Times? That's terrible, Zay. That's that's a that's a that's a one-stroke. On that it's a one-stroke penalty, sir.
5: Actually, I have a bone to pick with Jimmy Walker because for the longest time, I'm literally telling you, until the age of forty, I thought Dynamite was spelled with an O in the middle because how he said Dynomite, Dynamite. dynamite. Today, I felt ripped off. And even though we don't, we don't do. Uh, I don't have any uh, impersonations of Jimmy Walker during games. That might be inappropriate coming from me. Our team cheer is: I go tick tick tick, and then the whole team goes boom. We raise our hands up from the uh, from the center circle, and there you go. Yeah.
3: Well, I know Zay's weekend starts with a fifteen yard penalty.
1: <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, Jeff, that's why you're my guy, man. That's why you're my guy. Appreciate y'all. Trey, I'll be back later.